All right, it's good to see everyone here today. I had to point out to um, Brother Randy Coffey that we actually have two sets of notes in the back that have the same information on them. So uh, the title on both of them is Babylon is Fallen. We're going to be looking at the first one, making sure we have everything taken care of there, and then we're going to jump right into the second part of Babylon is Fallen. So let's take our Bibles and let's go to Revelation chapter 14. Let's begin by saying that I am so glad for each and every one that has made it out today. And I hope that your day is going well so far. It was good to see everyone come in and uh, say hello to everyone and greeting everyone. And it was just uh, really a great joy in every aspect of what we see. But um, I want you to know that I am a little bit sore this morning. Uh, some people ask me, why am I so sore? Well, I'm using muscles that I'm not normally used to using uh, working at Chick-fil-A. And, uh, you know, I really am enjoying myself. It, uh, I was telling Brother Randy a little bit earlier, I said, you know, one way to stay young is to work with young people. And I think they're pretty amazed that someone as old as I am can get up and do as much as they can. So that's pretty good. I'd like for us to take one verse and really consider it. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 14, verse 8. We'll pick up from where we left off last week. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and that great city, because she hath made all nations drink of the wine of her wrath, uh, the wine of wrath of her fornication. We want to go to the Lord in prayer, and as we go into this today, we're going to be looking a little bit more at the slides that we have before us, and to make sure that we have a good understanding of everything that is there before us as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll begin this day. Again, Lord, I want to thank you for the amazing properties that you allow us to enjoy. We want to thank you, Father, that you not only show us the things that you have written for us in your word, and help us, dear Father, to take these things and to know them truthfully and that we might grow honestly in all that we do. Father, I'd like to stop and not just use the same rhetoric over and again whenever I pray, but Father, to consider very carefully all the things that I'm going to be saying. Help me, dear Father, to have good recall because I know that without your your presence, without your understanding, without the things that you give us, there is no way in the world that we can really recall the things that you give us. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful and to keep these words and to live by the things that you've given, that we might take and warn the people that are round about us of the different aspects of life, uh, Lord, whether they be older or younger, that they would give us audience, that they would listen to what we have to say. But what we say, Lord, may it always be true. Help us then to be faithful unto you. Guide us and keep us. May we be used of you in a mighty way, for it's in Christ we pray. And amen. I don't know how many of you all look at this. We, were, we left off last week looking at this particular slide in which we were talking about the application of the... Uh, the, the you know, if you will, of Israel and how well that Israel is supposed to expand. And so I want to show you just a couple things here when we uh, take a look at it today and to make sure we have a good application on it as well. 
Now, I do not apologize when I go down to the first sheet that we looked at, and we call it the land of devils. Let me explain something to you why I think this map is so important for us. Now, on this region, which this is the Euphrates River, you'll, you will remember that right up here is Mount Ariat. It's, it's up in Turkey. Now, a lot of the older maps had uh, Mount Ariat up in here. But really, if you take a look at it, there's a, there is a people that they say, we live at the base of, the, of where the ark was. And so that's the name of the town. And I, I don't have that name right now, but it's a Turkish town. And reality is, is that they came down here to the land of Shinar. Now, a lot of people wonder, why did they travel down that far? It was very much possible that they were forced to move. And the reason is, move out of the mountainous areas. You see, Mount Ariad is about 15,000, 16,000 feet in the air. And there's going to be a lot of snow there. There's going to be a lot of cold there. Well, remember this, is that Noah and his family came from a very tropic condition. They probably weren't ready uh, or prepared for the snow. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving you some ideas to think about. The reality is, is that they came down to this area, and right here is a place called the Ur of the Chaldees. So this is the entire uh, Euphrates Basin, if you will. Now, this would be, this would become the far eastern line or the eastern border of what was going to become Israel. It should be no surprise that over here on this other river valley is the Nile River. Now, this is called the land of Goshen. Everything that's to the, if you will, to the east of the Nile River is the land of Goshen. If you will recall, this was one of the things that was stated to Joseph or by Joseph to the family. Tell them that you want to go to the land of Goshen because it is favorable for cattle, sheep, things of this nature. There's a lot more green grass that, are, that grows over on this side. So even though you had the treasured cities of Ramesses and Sychoth, which we read in Exodus chapter 1, and those were built along the eastern line of the Nile River, we found that the children of Israel were still given this particular property. Now, this is land that has never been completely possessed by all of Israel. In Genesis chapter 15, we can actually read this for ourselves. In Genesis chapter 15, and see if I'm not right in the application that we find there. So notice what it says in Genesis chapter 15. Let's go all the way down to verse 18. And notice again what the, what the Word of God says. It says, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Now this was, a lot of people like to say, well this was the Old Covenant. Well the Old Covenant, even though his name was Abram, it meant the father of many. Well Abraham meant many nations. So the reality is, is that this was a covenant that would be passed along from Abraham to Isaac. Now notice what we have here again. This is my covenant. This is in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham unto thy seed. Now, a lot of times, and I've had people come up to me and say, well, once again, you know, surely this means the Edomites. Now, if you notice there, that land doesn't belong to the Edomites. The Edomites are excluded from this piece of property. Oh, well, maybe it's speaking of all those people that came from Abraham that became Ishmaelites. Not everyone that's an Ishmaelite came from the, from the tribe of Ishmael. 
So the reality is, these people were already in existence, in place, because of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Once again, I want to show this to you. But unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt, meaning all the way over from the Nile, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So once again, that's the whole premise that we see of that land. Notice once again, the Kenites and the Kenzesites and the Cadmonites, uh, the uh, Hittites and the Perizzites and the Raphims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Gergesites and the Jebusites. Once again, I want you to take a look at this. This is, this is pretty amazing when you take a look at it. This whole area, from the river basin all the way up to right up here is where we would call the, the land of Haran. There it is there. Haran, how many of you have ever heard of Iran? And that's the way we pronounce it. And if you ever listen to it, it's Haran. And that's again how the, the, the Iranian people pronounce it. And then this is called the Fertile Crescent that comes all the way around this area. All of this is fertile land. And the fertile land was given to, to Abram. But again, there was also a promise that was made to Abram that they would have to go into the captivity of Egypt for that 400 years so they would grow into a nation. What is also interesting is that when we find the application that was given to Joshua, even though they possessed this narrow strip right in here, which we call Israel, they possessed that land little by little so that it wouldn't be too much for them. Now, I want you to think about this. Israel now seems to be crowded into an area that's no bigger than New Jersey. But the reality is, is that no matter how big it may seem, there's still a lot of land that's not being used. It has oftentimes been said that when the uh, desert blooms, well, how many of you all know that a lot of things that we use today, which is in our desert cultures, those lands and those possessions were actually developed by Israel. Anyone here ever use a sprinkle line or what they call a, a little mist line? That was developed by the Israeli government or by the Israeli scientists. They realized that a little drop of water around a tree, around a plant, or whatever, will produce more water, and it will be water that will stay. But they learned that from Genesis chapter 2 when it says that a mist came up from the ground. Once again, all the applications from God's word. So it is a land that we are familiar with, but it's not necessarily a land that we have a great understanding about. I'd like for us to go on down, if you will, uh, to this same passage, to uh, Genesis chapter 10. Let's go over there for a moment. And I want to show you something that's also very important for us to realize in regards to why God had to separate the children of Israel from the land that they were at. Now once again, in Genesis chapter 10, I want you to get this. This is so important to me. Because in Genesis chapter 10, we found that the families had to be scattered. Now how do we know that? Well, let's go back one chapter. Let's go to chapter 9. I'll show this to you as well. This was a command that was given by God and all of the inhabitants of the ark heard it. Now look in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Did you notice he said it to them? One of the things that I have often stated is when we walk with God, others will observe it. 
Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. When we walk with God, others observe it. How many of you all realize the first time that Isaac heard the voice of God was while he was laying on an, on an uh, if you will, an altar, and he was about to be slain, and then we, he hears the same message that comes from God that says, Do thy son no harm, for I know you fear me. And I want you to think about this. So, Isaac was as good as dead, but he heard the very voice of God. Well, think about this for a moment. In the book of Noah, all this time, Noah was the only one that heard from God. But after the flood, the message that God had given Noah was now allowed to be heard by his sons. So the reality is, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all three of them, heard the same voice of God. Look at verse 3. And every moving thing that liveth upon the earth meet for you, even as the green herb have been given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, uh, which is the blood thereof, you shall not eat. Now once again, this was all a commandment that was there. Look at verse 6. And once again, we have the very command of God, which was written in his word about the requirement of a man's blood. Once again, remember, Cain was not required to die but here, after Noah and his sons leave the ark, now comes the command. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, man, by man shall blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. Now let's go over to chapter 10. What a lot of people don't realize is that in chapter 10, the command was given that they were to scatter. Now, when they were to scatter, they were supposed to go into every quadrant. Now, I'm not saying that for the most part people didn't go to other places, and perhaps they did. But the reality is, for the most part, they stayed jailed as a nation. Now, it has been supposed that Shem went down into what is now called the region of Canaan. And uh, there's a lot of people that they teach that Mephibosheth is actually going to be Shem. Mainly because the fact is is that he was called a man of righteousness, a man of holiness. I don't know. I've studied it. I can't prove it one way or the other. But the reality is, look at uh, Genesis chapter 10, verse 1. Now, these are the generations of Noah, Shem, uh, 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 Shem Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were sons born after the flood. And the sons of Japheth, once again, we talked about where they had to go and by what areas they were in. But I want you to look primarily at verse 6. And it says in verse 6, And the sons of Ham were Cush, Mizraim, and Put, and Canaan. And the sons of Cush, and this would be the grandsons of Ham, if you will, was Seba, and Havilah, and, and Subtan, and Ramah, and Sibachah, and the sons of Ramah, Shaban, uh, Sheba, and Dardan. Notice again, and it says, and Cush, being the grandson, uh, you know, this, this would be the son of Ham, Cush bore one grandson, and his name was Nimrod. What I love about Nimrod is that we need to go in and study it. And I, I wish that I could encourage you all in such a way that you would read more books. We all don't like to read. Let's be honest. We, you know, most of us are not going to be um, that kind of learner. We're not a reading learner. Uh, and they, we're, most of us are, I believe, catastatic. I would much prefer 
prefer having someone show me how to do something than to have to read it for myself. Being a Baptist minister, I've had to go the other route. God said, no, I want, to, I want you to learn how to read. All right, so as poorly as I do, I try to read. Now, the reality is, is that I would highly recommend to you one of two books, either Two Babylons, which is going to take a lot of study for you to go in, or uh, Babylon Mystery Religion, which was written uh, so a little bit more simply for us to understand. But one of the things that he pointed out, both uh, Hislop and Woodrow, in their two books, in verse 8, he goes, Nimrod is a significant person because out of Nimrod came all false religions. Now remember, now think about this for a moment. Originally, you had all of the, uh, the people that came off the ark, they heard the voice of God. But isn't it interesting that immediately after we come off this, by the time you hit your grandchildren, there is a rebellion that they no longer want to follow the one true God. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. We read in Psalms chapter 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the significance of the glory of God is even understood by all people, and even the devils read it. Now think about that for a moment. Even Satan knows what it says. It says, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It's written in the stars. And so he is born in the lion, as a lion of Judah. He is born in that, that, that time frame. We're not told when that's going to occur or anything else. We're just told that out of virgin, there's going to be a child that is going to be born. A man-child. Now what's interesting is that when Nimrod settled in the land of Shinar, he took with him Shem, Ham, and Japheth. How do I know that? Guess where Abraham came out of? He came out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Guess where that is? That's in the land of Shinar. So you had all these people that were together, and once again you had this great magnificence of Nimrod as he stands up before the people and says, I am something to be paid attention to. Look at chapter 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language. This is so important. And of one speech. Now, when you have one speech, that means they understood the one command that was given. Now, what's interesting is that a friend of mine who's right, who has written a book, he goes, could they have used telepathy? Well, they could have, because everybody was clearly understanding of everything that was going on. I don't know. I've not studied that that far. But notice the, the message that was given. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, meaning that they came away from Mount Ariat, and they settled down into the plain. They found a plain in the land of Shinar. Now that land of Shinar is also mentioned to us in Genesis chapter 10. Once again, I want you to go in verse 11. And it says, And of that land went forth Asher and Beldon, oh, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 10. And the beginning of the kingdom was Babel, and Iraq, and Akkad, and Kalni, in the land of Shinar. So once again, they left, they left that particular land of, of Ariat, and they came all the way down to this place in chapter 10, verse 10. Look what else it says in verse 11. And out of that land went forth Asher, and built Nineveh, 
in, in this is the same Nineveh that was going to be in the same scope of Jonah was going to come into land, and the city of Rehoboth and in Cali. We've gone down to chapter 11 now. So they traveled down to the land of Shinar, verse 3, and they said one to another, Go to and let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to and let us build us a city with a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make a name lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. How many of you all can see the defiance they have for God's command at that particular verse? Where do we see the defiance? Chapter 9. Let's go back to chapter 9 and let's go to verse 1. And it goes, And the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thy house from the ark, for they they have before thee have I seen righteous before this generation of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. That will helps if I go to the right chapter. There we go, verse one. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon every that moveth upon the earth, and upon the fish of the sea, and to your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as green herb have I given you all things. But the flesh and the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, you shall not eat. And your, surely your blood and your lives will I require in every hand, of every beast I will require it, and the hand of man and the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of the man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for the image of, of God made he man. And you, be, and you, be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. Now, once again, God said, I want you to be fruitful to go into the earth, and I want you to go to the regions that you've been required to go to. Chapter 10 is all about the different regions they were supposed to go to. But once again, the people in defiance have made this statement that we're going to go to this land of Shinar. There we're going to build a tower. It's going to reach into heaven, and we're going to be in defiance to God. Once again, verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children builded. Now, I want you to get this for a moment. If there's nothing else that I want you to get, I, I didn't bring pictures of it, but I'm planning on posting them up for you. How many of you realize what this tower was all about? This tower was not just about uh, the the building of itself reaching high into heaven. Most of us have seen the spiral staircase where they imagine that it goes up. There was a staircase, but most of everything that we see is that the staircase was a long slanted staircase. And this is in every culture upon the face of the earth. In India, they have a, well, it is called a ziggurat that goes to a front staircase. The Incas had a, uh, a ziggurat with a front staircase. The Aztecs had a ziggurat that had a slant staircase. The pyramids originally were, again, a ziggurat that had a slant staircase and went up. Every one of these situations where you have a staircase that goes up, there was a tower at the very top. 
And the, supposedly the tower was a place where that they could have sacrifices, but said to God, you're not going to destroy us again. This was what everyone expects out of the Tower of Babel. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. How many of you have ever heard the, the, the story of the army, the army of one? What the idea is, is because we are an army, we all move together at one command. Well, now think about this for a moment. These people were all moving together because of one command. Let us go and build a tower unto God. That was the command. And we're going to defy God at the top of this tower. You can destroy everything around us, but you'll never destroy us as a people. There was a direct defiance. This was out of Ham, who was cursed, or his son was cursed, and this, is, this was Cush's own son, Nimrod, who now came to power. It is referred to that Shem had come and dismembered or killed Nimrod and scattered his body everywhere, causing his wife to go into hiding. His wife was his mother, and she was known as Semiramis. I cannot give you enough information on this. His wife was his mother, and she came out and declared herself a virgin. Wonder where she got the idea that she was a virgin? From the stars. And as I told you, even Satan knows the stars in heaven. She came forth declaring, I am a virgin, and I'm pregnant. Well, she was pregnant with Nimrod's child. <laughs> it's hard to believe, isn't it? It doesn't get any stranger than that. And the fact is, is Nimrod's mother, who was his wife, I got that much down, she had a child, and even the scripture refers to the child, how that Tammuz was being wept for by the women of Israel, or of Jerusalem, I should say. Isn't that strange? But look what happens. Let's, let's see what goes on. Here's one other thing that occurred at the top of those ziggurats. They did human sacrifices. Do you know who they sacrificed? They sacrificed people that were in defiance to their whims and wishes. Now think about this for a moment. We are right now at the precipice in our country, in our, in our lifestyles and everything we see right now, to where we're right on the very edge of people wanting to get rid of Christianity. Why? Because as long as Christians remain upon this earth, we are standing against all of those things that we know are wrong. How many of us have ever heard of woke? I didn't even, I, I still don't know what woke is all about. I'm not interested. I do know that people need Christ Jesus their Lord. But the reality is, is that me preaching or me going in standing for what I believe in on campuses is not going to change anybody's opinion. What I have to do is I have to live for Christ. I have to show others. I have to preach what the Word of God says. The woke generation doesn't want to hear the Word of God. They think they got a better plan. Well, God's plan is always His plan. And we have to adhere and to listen to it. More of that to come in the second message. But even more so, we hear people saying is, well, it's okay if you want to have homosexual marriage. Do you realize, and I want you to think about this for a moment, how much that we are pressured into following the world. 
by sports figures and by actresses and actors? Are they suddenly more, more understanding of what our world needs because they perform some sort of duty? There, is a, there was a TV show where they were upset and an NBA player because he refused to be inoculated with the, the latest serum that was created to help ward off COVID. And they said, he is destroying their team because he refuses to be inoculated. And the man has never been inoculated, but he's been, since been traded. And everybody's loving how great of a player he is. And yet, on national TV, on national radio, they, they were constantly putting this man down. I'm going, you're putting down people for the wrong reasons. And yet, here we are. How many of you have ever heard, well, if this person is elected, I'm leaving the country. I've heard that over and over again, and they're still with us. We call that, in my book, a liar. I'm, I'm not trying to be politically correct, but the reality is, if you're going to leave, leave. Would you please just leave? But they're not going to leave because they know that there's no other audience that's going to pay attention to them. And they need that audience. I don't care if you're black, red, white, green, yellow, purple. I don't care what color you are. I don't care if you want to go against God's word or not. God's word, let it stand. But let's also point this out to you. We better make sure that we keep our ducks in order. We are a lone voice in a world that doesn't want to hear the truth. We are a lone voice. And what I mean by that is, do you realize most radio evangelists, most TV evangelists, have the opportunity to spread their vileness, their incorrect message, all over the radio, and people are flocking to them. I, I, I just saw something the other day that just alarmed me, how that one man said, I've got this brand new airplane. And, and you know what? God has blessed me with this airplane. Really? I, I've got news for you. Not everything that you have was given to you by God. It came on the backs of people. And when people talk about prosperity, they're talking about their own prosperity. I'm not, I have nothing against prosperity. I mean, if you're rich, praise God you're rich. But guess what? To whom more is given, more is required. And I know how to fly, but I guarantee you I do not want to fly an airplane. Because I'd probably have to work on it. Reality is, listen to what it says in verse 6. And the Lord said... Behold, all the people is one. They have one language. And, they, and this they do. They ne they, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Do you realize human sacrifice is human imagination? How many of us realize that they have found mummies in the, in the higher regions around Ecuador? around Peru, they have found where those people were sacrificed and their bodies were carried to the mountains, and now they're finding them because they're so well preserved. Go, look at verse 7, go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. It wasn't until the confounding of the languages 
that things begin to make a difference. Now, understand this, that when they scattered, they took their religion with them. This is why a lot of people say, well, what do you mean that they took their religion with them? Do you realize that one of the things that Woodrow points out is that he goes, everywhere you look, there is a Madonna and child. Everywhere. So in India, they have a special name, but it's a Madonna and child. In Aztec countries, they have found Madonna and child. In Egypt, there was Madonna and child. Everywhere that you went, there was Madonna and child, which is nothing more than Semiramis and Tammuz. And that was adopted by the Roman Catholic Church. How many of you all have ever seen paintings of Mary and supposedly the baby? It is nothing more than everything that goes back to Semiramis and Tammuz, back to the book of Genesis chapter 11. How many of you know that? It's there. They took their religion with them, and that is why we see the cultures continue to build. And then slowly but surely, God... <laughs> brought it to the attention of the world that this is not going to happen. I raise up a man named Abram. In chapter, uh, chapter 12, where we get our genealogy and everything that goes in, chapter 12 begins with verse 1, now the Lord appeared to Abram. But in chapter 11, at the very end, it says there was a Terah, who was the father of Abram, in verse 31. And he had, and you know, uh, it took Abraham his son and Lot, Abraham his son and Lot, the son of Haran, and his son's son, and Sarah, uh, daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth from the land of Ur the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they were at Haran and dwelt there. Now I want you to get this. So, I personally believe that God was starting to deal with Abraham here in the Ur of the Chaldees. We know that they went up the Euphrates River. There's a reason that they had to go up this way. And they went into this land of Haran. When they got to this land of Haran, this is where God literally calls Abraham to separation. Now, I've, I've had a lot of people say, well, God actually called Abraham to separate here. I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you that I believe God was dealing with him. But it became really true to him when he was in Haran, and that's why he moved south down towards the Fertile Crescent again on the western side. And once again, we find him all the way in this, er in this particular area. God was given him the, the whole eyesight of what was going to go on. Now, here's what I love about this particular land. Everything we see is that it is going to be given to Abraham. Wherever his foot touched, wherever he was to go, God was going to bless him. But when he left the land of the Ur of the Chaldees, how many of you all know that Abraham was an idol-worshiping individual? The reality is, is he worshipped idols. He knew that those idols meant nothing to him, but he was worshipping idols. And the reality is, as though he was worshipping the idols that were there for him to see, he was hoarding them to himself, and he became that idol-worshipping man. The reality is, God was separating him from this world, and that's why all the men were given, put all the men in 
one area, and Brother Randy and Sister Nancy and I were talking about this earlier today, even though we believe in the election of God, God does not make us do things that are against his will. Now, I want you to get this. God does make us willing, and God has to overcome the desires of our heart for everything to happen as it should happen. So once again, I want you to look at this. Now, when, Ab when the Lord said unto Abram, now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy, thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. Let me show you something that's important. Number one, he said, Get out. It wasn't until Rebekah later on had married Isaac and that Rachel came into the picture after all when she married Jacob that she stole her father's idols. How many of you remember that? Where did those idols come from? The land of the Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to get this. This is a, this is a great picture. In verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. There is a promise that is given unto to Abram. I'm going to make of you a nation. And I, will, uh, um, and I will bless thee, and will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless him that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed. Guess what? Abraham didn't take anything with him, except what it was necessary to live. This is the one thing most people miss out on. He didn't take idols. He took maybe a camel. We don't know. We were supposing he did. And he took Sarah, his wife, and guess what? He took his, his nephew, Lot. That was it. And as he traveled down to this area, he didn't know where he was going except that God was going to lead him. And God was bringing him into a pagan land, another pagan land. But here he would be the one that was going to be devoted to God. So guess what? That whole region that we're seeing with that's labeled as Israel, it's a land of devils. And we're going to pick up here, Lord's willing, next week as we study a little bit more about what it means to be a part of Babylon is fallen. So we want to be dismissed in a final word of prayer, and then we're going to get ready to go for a regular service. Lord, again, thank you for your many blessings to us, and help us to be faithful unto you in all things. So guide us and keep us, dear Father. May we worship you with all that is in us. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. We're dismissed. <laughs>